0: Hi there, Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at central Baptist Church Pretoria hundred and thirty years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Good morning everyone uh, it's good once again to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you to Isaac, and the team for leading us so well in worship this morning. Well, this morning we will be considering a psalm written by David. We will be looking at Psalm 27. So this morning we will be looking at Psalm 27. So if you can make your way there as I continue with um, our introduction here this morning. So by, by means of introduction, what, what do we say to people who are hurting? What do we say to people who have experienced some sort of disappointment? What do we say to someone who is going through some sort of difficulty? Now you've probably said one of these phrases. Take heart. This too shall pass. Or maybe you've said you've said take heart it is not as bad as you think. Or maybe you've said, take heart, I know he or she loves you, this will eventually work out. Now these words are generally used by people who are trying to make you feel better about something that's got you down or has got you upset. Maybe it's a difficulty at work or, or maybe you are struggling to find work or maybe your children are fighting or maybe you are fighting with your siblings or you are fighting with your wife. Or maybe there's something that you're currently going through right now that you are having to endure. Or maybe it has to do with your health or maybe the health of someone whom you love. Maybe it's a hurtful relationship within a relationship or a disappointment you have to face. There are many things that lead people to respond to say, take heart. Now, take heart is usually an attempt to temporarily uh, uh, alter your feelings about the current thing that has upset you. The person who uses the phrase take heart, they are trying to offer you something to hold on to. But unfortunately, the phrase take heart that they offer doesn't really offer you much to hold on to. You currently stand in the middle of something that is burdening you, that is weighing heavy on you, over which you have no control, and you are being invited to, hey, it isn't as bad as it seems. Well, if we had to examine this hope that people give in the phrase, take heart, you realize that it doesn't really give you concrete reason to be hopeful. Now don't get me wrong, this is not a sermon to to say, if you've said, take heart, be convicted and repent of your sins, that's not what I'm saying this morning. However, this morning, I want us to to, to get to something slightly deeper. When we say take heart, what are we saying take heart in? Take heart in what? Take what? In who? And the psalmist gives us these answers in Psalm 27. So Psalm 27 verse 1 starts with these words. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Let's pray together as we consider this psalm. Lord, we sang earlier this morning over at the hill these words. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us, truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace will stand on your promises By faith, we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Father, that is what we ask this morning. That God, as I speak, i would speak as a servant sent by you. God, a herald running with the message from the king to his people that, Father, salvation belongs to the Lord our God. We can be comforted because the God whom we serve is an almighty God. So I pray, Father, as I look to articulate this message this morning, that you give me clarity of speech. I pray, Father, that your spirit would be at work in our midst Lord, won't you allow us as we fellowship and worship you through the preaching of your word, that, Lord, this would be a sweet and blessed time together. And, Lord, encourage us and challenge us. And, God, if there's one here this morning who doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would protect them from leaving here with a false sense of hope, that they can hope in the salvation given to us by God when they have not believed in you. God, challenge them this morning that, Lord, it is only through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can have hope, a living hope in a living God. So bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we don't know at what specific time this psalm was written, but we obviously know that this psalm was written by David, and we do know that as he was writing this psalm, he was troubled. Now, his enemies were closing in, He couldn't go to the house of the Lord. His parents had forsaken him. False witnesses had slandered his name and his life was being sought after. David, as we've seen in many of his Psalms and as was true in many instances in his life, he was in the bottom of the valley. But this morning, I want to encourage you, if you maybe are sitting in in, in your chair and you maybe are also in the bottom of the valley, I want you to consider the response of the psalmist. David being in the bottom of the valley could say, could have a heart confident in God. And that's the first thing I want us to consider this morning. From the bottom of the valley, David had a heart confident in God. See verses 1 to 3. David says, the Lord is my salvation and, sorry, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they that stumble and fall. Though an army encamp around me. My heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. David declares that the Lord is my light, He is my salvation, and He is the stronghold of my life. Let's quickly break down these three things he tells us about God. The first thing he says, the Lord is my light. God God is light and in him there is no darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John tells us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. You see, David does not simply know these facts about God being light in his head, but he has believed it in his heart. He has believed that God is his light. It is personal. God is my light. And he believed it in his heart and he's applying it in a specific moment in his life. He's applying it in a moment in his life where he is surrounded by nothing but darkness. Remember the children's talk? Twainé woke up this morning and everything that could go wrong goes wrong. It seems like it's dark, but the psalmist can also say that, man, I believe that my God is the true light of life. David could say like Micah the prophet, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. He knew that he needed God to illuminate his thoughts. David knew that he needed God to illuminate his conscience, to illuminate his heart. David knew that if he had even for a moment drifted away from the revealing light of God, that he would fall into all kinds of evil. David knew how consuming darkness can be when you are in the pits of despair. David understood That it is the light of God that reveals things to us. It reveals who we really are. Dependent, sinful mankind in need of a Savior. It reveals to us who God is. He is light and is the Savior of all mankind. David again says in a different Psalm, Psalm 18 verse 28. It says, For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. You see, it is the light of God that reveals to us the lies of the devil in our moments of despair. It reveals to us the lies we believe about God's absence or that God hates us. It reveals to us the lies that we tend to believe from those who come masquerading as lights in the name of friends, but are in fact evil men and women who are leading us away from the truth. It reveals to us the reality that our feelings are not absolute and they too need to be subjected under the light of God and scrutinized by His Word. Not only that, but David says that the Lord is His salvation. He says, The Lord is my salvation. You see, David, in this point, as he writes this psalm, he recognized that he needed immediate saving from evildoers. His adversaries and the army that surrounded him were were, were coming for his life. But he also knew that he needed saving from eternal damnation or eternal condemnation in hell. David, by faith, held on to God's covenant promises in his possession. David by faith had his sins forgiven. David by faith knew that the battle is the Lord for his God for if God is for us, then who can stand against us? See as you sit there, I don't want you to be deceived. If you haven't believed in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul, then this whole message cannot be applied to you. You cannot cling to a hope where there is no hope, for hope is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, where is your hope? Listen to the words from a preacher. Salvation finds us in the dark, but it does not leave us there. It gives light to those who sit in the valley of the shadow of death. After conversion, our God is our joy, comfort, guide, teacher, and in every sense, our light. He is the light within. He is the light around. He is the light reflected from us, and He is the light to be revealed to us. A song written by the Gettys says, In times of waiting... In times of need, when I know loss and when I am weak, I know His grace will renew these days, for the Lord is my salvation. David could say these words. But not only that, David says that the Lord is this, He is my stronghold. The Lord is. The stronghold of my life. David in Psalm 18 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. God, the Lord is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He goes on to say in the same Psalm, For who is God? But the Lord. And who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend the bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. That's a different psalm, Psalm 18. We are in Psalm 27, but you can read many other psalms written by David and you will see that he was consistent in seeing God and God alone as his strength. The strength of the psalmist was not found in his mighty army, David doesn't find strength in the fact that he was a king. David doesn't find strength in the weaponry that he has as a commander of the army. But it was the Lord who was the strength of his life. Church, if we really know what it is to have God be the strength of our lives, then it might be that we have we have. Perhaps trusted in so many other things to be our strength. What are you trusting in? What is it that you are clinging to to keep keep you up? The reality from God's word is if you are finding hope in anything other than God, it will fail you, it will disappoint you, and it will leave you hurt. Calvin notes, David Having been tossed with various tempests, at length recovers himself and shouts triumphantly over the troubles with which he had been harassed, rejoicing that whenever God displays his mercy and favor, there is nothing to be feared. So David asked the question if these things are true of God, what things? That God is our light, that God is our salvation. That God is the stronghold of our lives. If these things are true of God, then whom shall I fear? The answer that we can give with David with much assurance is that we can fear no one and we can fear nothing. Notice what he says in verse 2. The wicked who come up against me will stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, his heart will not fear The war arises against me. He will be confident because the Lord is his light and his salvation. And the Lord is the stronghold of his life. Church, let us learn. Let us learn to put great value on God's power to protect us. And God's power to send our fears running away. Witherspoon said, It is only the fear of God that can deliver us from the fear of men. Oh believer, whatever the trial or tribulation that you are facing today, I want to encourage you this morning. Know with much assurance that God is your light, that God is your salvation. He is the stronghold of your life. Those who come up against you will be left wanting because your confidence is not in the things that you have or in the things that you could lose, but your confidence is in the sovereignty of God and not in fleeting things. We can end this sermon right there and go home. But David gave us more. Consider verses 4 to 6 and see David's heart yearning for God. David had a heart yearning for God. See, verse 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Think for a moment. What's one thing that you desire above all else? We could spend a lot of time this morning just listening to the many one things that we desire above all else. But we only have time to listen to David's one thing. And David's one thing was that he desires and he will intentionally pursue dwelling in the house of the Lord. We can draw two things from David's desire. Firstly, notice the request. David's desire was to be in the house of the Lord. It was to dwell in the holy temple, his dwelling place, his tabernacle. You see, with all that was happening in David's life, with all that he had lost, his desire was not that he would regain what he had lost, but his greatest desire was that he would once again be found in the house of the Lord. David's greatest desire and his deepest affections were to dwell in the house of the Lord. But was this an end in itself? Why? Why does David want to dwell in the house of the Lord so much? Was it just to tick the attendance register? Before we answer that, I want to say one thing. We don't mention this too often, but God also possesses desirability. God does not only give us desire, but God is one to be desired. Psalm 73 verse 25b and 26 says, And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, if you have seen the Lord, you will desire Him. David had seen the Lord. He had seen the beauty as displayed in his perfections. The excellencies of God have brought about a great desire in the heart of the psalmist that he wants one thing and one thing only. Oh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But then again, to what end? What does he want to do in the house of the Lord? He tells us to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Just the reason for our devotions must be to behold God in all his glory and in all his majesty. It is from this gaze, it is from this beholding in our God that men can reach our chief end and that is to glorify God and that is to enjoy Him forever. God is calling you to behold Him. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Number six, we read read these words, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His... Face shine upon you and be gracious to you. There's something about when the face of God is beholding us and we are beholding it, verse 26, and the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. It is why the apostle Paul wrote, We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of our Lord, are being transformed from the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, young people call this a flex, but I'm not flexing, I promise. But I've hiked both Lion's Head and Table Mountain. But in, And anyone who's gone up Table Mountain or who's gone up Lion's Head will tell you that the view is spectacular. It is breath taking it is all striking it is beautiful as you walk look up look around you behold in all directions the handiwork of the almighty god that's the purpose why you hike up lion's head and that was the purpose why i was hiking up lion's head but i missed all of that I miss the beauty, I miss the splendor, I miss the glory of God as behold in his creation. Because I was watching the ground and I was watching my feet, so I don't die hiking up a mountain in Cape Town. <laughs> Whilst everyone else was taking pictures and beholding everything, I was just focused on the ground. And when I got to the top and everyone was talking about, hey, did you see that? Did you see that? I didn't, because I didn't want to die. <laughs> See, the point I'm trying to make today is that it is also true that when we pursue godly things like reading the Bible and memorizing Scripture, oftentimes we lose focus. The purpose that we are to be feasting from the Scriptures is to behold our God. The purpose that we are to be memorizing Scripture and praying is because we want to behold our God. We want to enjoy His glory, His splendor, His majesty. We want to see a glimpse of His might. We want to do it because we want to see Him and not just look for do's and don'ts. Reading the Bible, praying, memorizing Scripture, going to church. They are not intended to be ends in themselves. They are a means to an end. And that end is to behold, it is to gaze, it is to be in all of the beauty of our Lord. So this morning... If there is anything that is hindering your view, that must be put to death. That must be abandoned. That must be rejected. If there is anything that is going to help your view of our great God, that must be embraced. It must be pursued with discipline and it must be celebrated. Why? David tells us the reason in verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. See, in David's time of trouble, when all others turned from him, He found his refuge in God. God was his hiding place. God was his shelter. God was his peace. The Almighty God, the King of kings, set up a table before him in the presence of his enemies. For who shall he fear? All who spend their days gazing upon the Lord will have the privilege of asylum, will have the privilege of refuge as theirs. You see, we read in this passage that it was God who lifted David's countenance. It was God who set David above his foes. It was God himself who set David high upon a rock which could never be stormed. And it was because of this that it was by faith that David was sure of victory. He was sure of victory over all those who came against him, that he had already arranged a head in his heart to offer up sacrifices with shouts of joy, and he will sing and make melody to the Lord. See, church, if if you have been saved by God, if you are being sanctified by God. If you are growing in your knowledge of this great God, then you don't have to wait for victory to worship Him. You see, gratitude fills our hearts because we know He is working in us through the storm. We know that it is the Lord who effectually protects His people. Therefore, we should not be afraid. We know that his ways are not our ways. His plans are good. And so what looks like a loss today will be turned to a victory tomorrow. For we know with assurance that the Lord has defeated Satan, sin, and death. So believer, lift up your head. Give your body as a living sacrifice with shouts of joy to our great God. Believer, sing today and make melodies to the Lord. He is your salvation now and forevermore. The psalmist then breaks up these truth statements about God and he he turns them into a prayer. He prays in verse 7 to 12. But I want to state that he starts this prayer with a prayer that I believe many in this room have prayed before. Many of us have prayed like the psalmist did in verses 7 to 9. We've prayed, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, O God, in your word, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. We've all called to God and we know that God says, seek my face. But oftentimes we feel as though he has hidden himself from us. Have you ever felt that? God, I'm pursuing after you, but I'm not seeing you. Where and why have you hidden your face from me? Why is it that I'm not feeling your presence around me? You see, when David prayed this prayer, he knew that even a smile from the Lord would bring about the greatest comfort. So he asked the question, or he pleads with God, cast me not off. It seems as though in this passage, David had become aware of his sins before the Holy God, which brings him to a great sense of unworthiness. Hence he says, turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not, forsake me not. Have you ever felt that? As you're praying for God to deliver you from whatever troubles you're going through, you just get this great sense of awareness of, 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 of your sins, of, of how sinful you actually are, and how many times you've sinned against a Holy God. What then is our comfort? What then is our comfort when, when our thoughts and our feelings are feeling like the psalmist did? Well, our comfort is found in the declaration made by the psalmist. O God of my salvation. Spurgeon considers this a title worthy, sorry, a sweet title worthy of much meditation. David's prayer was for God's presence in the present afflictions, but also in eternal destiny. His petition, Leave me not, is followed by the title, O God of my salvation. I believe it is a good reminder for the church this morning to pray for our salvation. Pray that God would give us a great sense of assurance of our salvation. Pray that God would help you to make your calling and election sure, remembering as you pray that deliverance from temporal affliction and eternal torment belong to God. Verse 10 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. See, on this earth, people will desert you. Relationships will be broken. The waters from the well of human kindness will dry up, but rest assured that there is a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. There is a God who will be with you always to the ends of the age. So this morning church seek guidance from the lord the psalmist says in verse 11 teach me your way o lord lead me on level path because of my enemies firstly the psalmist is praying god teach me your way that i might not work in my own understanding God, I recognize that my enemies are crafty in their approach to me, whilst others just openly pursue me and attack me. The psalmist here is pleading that God would lead him in his defense. He doesn't want to go before God and act out of impulse, and act out in burning passion and rage, and find himself in sin, but sinning in the name of God. This prayer displays a humble sense of personal ignorance. It shows us the great teachability of spirit and it shows us a cheerful obedience of the heart of David. See, recognizing our sinfulness and our fallibility is a great help to the health of believers. Understanding that we are prone to wonder, that we are prone to sin helps us recognize our great need for a Savior and our great need to live under the shadow of the cross. We need to see that we can do so much evil under the guise of good. We can justify evil deeds with good intentions. So we too need to pray, Lord, teach me your way and lead me on a level path for it is a steady and secure place to stand against the storms of this life. So God, it is from this level place, the psalmist says, that I will pray, give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have come up and risen against me, and they breathe out violence. So to close, I want us to close with David's heart waiting for God. As David prayed that prayer, give me not up to the will of my adversaries. As he prays that false witnesses have come up and they are slandering his name and they are breathing out violence, he says these words, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. His life was being pursued. He is in the midst of darkness, but there's an assurance in the psalmist that he will see good whilst he lives. So consider these closing words of encouragement Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart Take courage. Like I mentioned in our introduction, we often say take heart to a person uh, to help make a person feel better. But that's not the encouragement this morning. The encouragement this morning is not to give you a psalm to help you feel better. It is not to, 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 to change your emotions in any way, but it is an invitation for you to rest in the one place where rest can be truly found, and that is in the Lord. So church, this morning, wait for the Lord. His timing is perfect. Your time is in His hands. Our God is never early and our God is never late. Admire the punctuality of providence. John Flavel said, There are, there are times when providence distresses the, ha- the people of God. When the waters of comfort recede and run very low, very low and once pinch." If then the soul returns childlike providence upon fatherly care, saying with David in Psalm 23 verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It belongs to him to provide and to me to depend. I will trust my father's care and love. Here now is sweet communion with God under pinching ones. See, if we went around this room this morning, we would be shocked at the amount of hardship that is currently being endured by people we're sitting next to. There are people here this morning who who currently have a reason to be fearful and afraid. They are currently facing difficulties that are sapping them of their joy and many times even threatening their confidence in God. But my encouragement this morning is, let us look to the life of David and how God worked through him. David's confidence in God was battle tested. David did not have a rosies and ponies type of faith that lived in always easy circumstances, but because he knew who God is, he could say that whilst I live, I will see the goodness of God. Why? Because David knew that God is good. The encouragement this morning is that church, you don't have to wait for whatever you're going through to end before you also can say, I will see the goodness of God whilst I live. We can sing now, today, today. With whatever you're going through, you can sing these words I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I will see the dawn of the rising sun, for the Lord is my salvation. So, therefore, church, wait for the Lord, be strong in the Lord. Take heart in the Lord, for He is your light, He is your salvation, and He is the stronghold of your life. So who shall you fear? Let's pray. Lord, the Troubles of today so easily consume us and cause us to fear. The darkness around us often gets us to ask, how long, O Lord? So Lord, help us this morning to move theology from our heads to our hearts. Help us, Lord, this morning to believe that you are our light, that you are our salvation, that you are the stronghold of our life, so we do not have a reason to fear. God, I also pray for the one who is in this room who has heard this sermon about how great you are. God, you are the great God that secured salvation for humanity, that all who believe in you will have life and they'll have it eternally. All who believe in you have the promised Holy Spirit living inside us, comforting us and reminding us of your truths. God, I pray as they've heard this sermon, that God, you you would send out that effective call upon their lives. Lord, call them back into your fold. Save them, Lord, from their sin. That they too can rejoice in all these perfections of our great God. That they too can come into the dwelling place of God. They can come into the house of God and behold your beauty. So God, help us. Help us to desire you. Help us, Lord, make our greatest and deepest affection be for you and to dwell in your house all the days of our lives to behold your beauty. Lord, we too will see goodness in the land of the living because our God is good. So help us to believe your person and your promises, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.